Good morning, Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you're visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest, and you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. And we believe you've come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Amen. Well, Ed was right. I have a very, very long uh, sermon today. So hopefully you ate a good breakfast. Uh, I was thinking about preaching for an hour this morning just because I, I <laughs> because it, it's true. I, I, I wanted to, I was thinking through uh, what I was going to preach on during the, the month of January. You know, it's a month of resolutions and starting all things new. And this really took me a while to flesh out. I said, Lord, what, what, what do I do here? And and uh, God just put on my heart, we, we're going to get back to Jesus in 2016, amen, back to Jesus. So uh, I've been here coming up on three years now, so if you've noticed, my preaching may have changed a bit. So year one, when I was here, I came to a church that in many ways felt uh, like it was healing. You know, Steve had transitioned out, and uh, there were a number of things happening transition-wise. So I said, I'm going to come in, and I'm just going to preach, uh, you know, kind, healing messages, sermons that, that, that just heal the hearts, right? And, and we got through year one, and then year two, I said, you know what? I'm going to give them a little something different in year two. I'm going I'm to try to give them some practical things. And now that you guys know me and I'm heading into year three, I can really stick it to you. Amen. So, so during this year, we're, we're really going to be heavy in the book, the, the, the Bible. Amen. So 2016 is going to be a phenomenal year. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited today. I'm excited because God has blessed us to see our very first Sunday in 2016. It's an exciting thing. And I pray that God uses all of you in amazing, phenomenal, outstanding ways this year to accomplish his purposes in the world. And I'm going to ask you to, uh, to pray for our church this year. Pray for our church. Be in prayer for our congregation here. As you know, we have a number of members uh, this Sunday traveling back from the holiday. Our prayers go out to the Bingham family. They may be watching online this morning, so we're praying for you guys. Uh, Jessica's father is very, very ill. Uh, so we're praying for them. We have a number of our members that are sick. Um, and please be in prayer for uh, Alayla. Alayla came down with my cold that I had last week. So that's where they are. So you guys get well soon. Daddy loves you, okay? So pray for our church. Uh, I think God has some exciting things in store uh, this year. Thank you, Ed, for leading us in our worship. And thank you, Ray, for that wonderful communion thought that centers our mind on Jesus Christ. So... That's correct. This month, we are studying the Sermon on the Mount, okay? A series on the Sermon on the Mount, and this is so rich, and there's so much material here. So as I was preparing uh, this week for this, this material, this sermon this morning, I said it's going to be a long one. So you guys, bear with me. I may have to break it down into parts because some of y'all are looking hungry already. Amen. So the Sermon on the Mount is the greatest gospel sermon that has ever been preached. Uh, the world as we know it has been changed because of what Jesus said in about three chapters, okay? And we're going to be examining uh, Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount, which is contained in chapters 5, 6, and 7. And in particular today, I want to discuss in 2016 from the Sermon on the Mount, how to have a blessed life. 
And I think that's something that we can really focus on this year. How do we have a blessed life uh, in, in 2016? So you know the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 is commonly known as what? The, the Beatitudes, right? And we've been uh, studying the Beatitudes ever since we were little in Bible class. You've heard sermons, countless sermons on the Beatitudes. But that's what we're going to be studying uh, this morning. And I don't know about you, I grew up a, a good Church of Christ kid. And, and here's what I thought I knew about the Beatitudes growing up. You see, I, I grew up thinking that the Beatitudes were qualities that all Christians were striving to possess, right? And that was the, the mentality that I had. I'm striving to possess these, these qualities. And I remember growing up looking through the Beatitudes and picking out the ones that I thought I had, right? And, and maybe you did that as well. You'd read through it and you'd say, hey, you know what? I think I'm hungry and thirsty for righteousness, so God is going to bless me on that end. You know what? I, th I think I'm, I'm really good at, at possibly being meek at times, so maybe God is helping me with that. And then I would also go through and say, Lord, there's a couple that, that I don't have, so I would pray, Lord, help me to be poor in spirit, right? And that's a, a lot of the way we, we, we process the Beatitudes. That's how we think about it sometimes. Now, that's one school of thought. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with thinking in those terms, but I want to take it from a different perspective looking at the Beatitudes, okay? So actually, the word Beatitude, uh, I used to separate my mind, but it's one word, and it's a Latin word, and the Beatitude Latin word means to be happy. The Beatitudes, it means to be happy. In other words, the Beatitudes are a type of blessing that God gives that makes a person happy. So Matthew chapter 5 is all about Jesus showing his disciples how to be happy. And you may be saying, well, we'll see how that goes. But everybody wants to be happy. And if you talk to anybody in the world today, you would... If they put down a list of their top things that they wanted for 2016, a lot of people would say, in 2016, I, I just want to be happy. So the question is, how do we live this blessed life that, that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5? So if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and open up. And Mike, don't worry about switching the slides just yet. I'm just going to read through the first 11 verses of Matthew chapter 5. And I'll invite you to open up your Bibles and follow along with me, okay? Scripture says here, now, when the crowds, uh, when he saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and be, he began to teach them, saying, Blessed or blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this is just a, a small section 
of the Sermon on the Mount. And then he goes into talking about salt and light. And, and I really want to get to that today, but I think we're going to hold off on that until, until next week. But the first 11 verses of Matthew chapter 5 are known as the Beatitudes. And what I want to do before we even dive in, because what we're going to do is we're going to pull out verse by verse and kind of exegete some of the material here and, and, and give you some principles and some ideas to think about. But the first thing that I want to do is I want to talk about an interesting comparison between the gospel and the Mosaic law. If you think about it, Moses had a lot in common with Jesus, right? In the Church of Christ, we talk about major dispensations. One of the dispensations that we talk about is the Mosaic dispensation. You may be saying, well, what is that? Well, we know that God's Word came to the people through Moses. And if you think about Moses and who he was, we know that Moses was called by God. Moses was given the power of the Spirit. And Moses shared the law to the people while he was on a mountain. Moses led 12 tribes through the wilderness. And people came to hear Moses talk. And Moses was able to break free people from slavery, if you will. So if you think about it, now you think about Jesus. And we call Jesus' gospel the Christian, Christian dispensation. And, and let's talk about Jesus just a little bit. Jesus was called by God. Jesus was given the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus shared the gospel on a mountain. Jesus led 12 apostles or disciples, and Jesus gave people the power to break free from spiritual slavery. A lot of comparisons here as you think about this great sermon on the mount. So as we pick up in our, our very first passage, Mike, you can go to that first slide. I want to look at this, 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 this text again and, and kind of set the context here and pull out some things that you may have not considered before. Now when the, he saw the crowds, he went up onto a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying. So what we see Jesus doing is going up to this mountain and delivering this new law, this gospel message to the people. And he went up to this mountain and realized that Jesus did not have a PA system. He didn't have PowerPoint slides. He didn't have sound amplification. But he went up to this mountain. I think it was very specific because if you've ever been to a mountain uh, and very strategic, if you've ever been to a mountain, you know that sound carries. So I can imagine Jesus going up to this mountain and I can almost imagine him yelling, okay, so that the people could hear him. So that's what you need to know about good preachers. They yell. Amen. So No, that's not what I'm, I'm saying. But Jesus was up there, and I can almost see him yelling, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? So we see Jesus preaching this sermon to his disciples. So the question you should be asking yourself is, as we examine this, this first sermon, is, is, well, what is a sermon anyway? Have you thought about that? What what is a sermon? If this is the greatest and first sermon, what, what is a sermon after all? Why do these preachers get up and they deliver these sermons? Well, I'm going to tell you what a sermon is if you didn't know. So if you're taking notes, and by the way, you have an outline in your bulletin, you can take that out and follow along with us. What, what is a sermon this morning? Have you ever thought about that? What is it designed to do? Well, you know, a sermon is a message of hope geared toward disciples of Jesus Christ. 
And that's why he says, uh, this says this in this text, his disciples came to him. When Jesus preached this sermon, it was people there that, that were disciples of him. So whenever you think of the term sermon or what a sermon is, a sermon is really geared toward followers or already disciples of Jesus Christ. But I guarantee you that in the midst of these disciples were some people that were probably seeking, that wanted to know more about Jesus, that heard about his miracles, and wanted to come. Just like in our church today, mostly what we have here this morning are dedicated disciples of Jesus Christ here in this church. But there are probably some here that are seeking, that want to know more, that are here passing through, visiting, just want to hear. So Jesus, whenever he spoke, he made sure he spoke in a language that was simple and easy to understand. And in my opinion, that's how sermons are supposed to be preached, simple and easy to understand. So when people come to our church, we have to make sure that we don't preach or speak Christianese. You know what Christianese is? You know, we use language oftentimes that the world doesn't understand, but just Christian folk understand, right? So we have to make sure we don't speak Christianese. So the next question is, well, how long should a sermon be? That's, that's a tough one, right? People have all different kind of opinions on how long a sermon should be. So I want you to tell me at the count of the three how long a sermon should be this morning. You just say it out loud, okay? One, two, three. Wow. <laughs> I heard an hour. I heard 45 minutes. I heard 30 minutes, and I think somebody said five. That might have been Mary Vaughn. Somebody said five. So five minutes. So how long should a, a sermon be? Uh, how long does it take to read through the Sermon on the Mount? Have you ever timed yourself doing that? If you read through the Sermon on the Mount and you're an average reader, it takes about 12 minutes. So guess what? If you didn't say 12, you're all wrong. No, I'm just kidding. But it takes about 12 minutes for the average reader. I heard a, a person say, you know, what makes a good sermon is if the sermon has a great intro and a great closing and that they are as close together as possible, right? I heard that one time. So what is a sermon? Well, we, we don't know how long Jesus was up there speaking or how long this, this process took or this message was. And we have different gospel accounts, and they all say something a little bit different on the Sermon on the Mount, in the Sermon on the Mount. But we just, we just kind of simply don't know. But we know what a sermon was. A sermon was geared toward disciples. It was a message that was simple and easy to understand. It was a message that gave hope. And that's what a sermon is, and that's what you hear on Sunday mornings. That's what you hear on Sunday mornings. So why did Jesus say what he said in the Sermon on the Mount? As we begin to get in the text and pull out some things, well, what we need to know about this time period is that uh, the Jews during this time period were, were under Roman rule. And most Jewish people were experiencing a lot of hardships, if you think about it. They had a heavy tax situation going on. The Sanhedrin placed a lot of spiritual burdens on the people which Jesus had to talk about. Many of these people were sick with all kind of different ailments, right? They had, they had uh, all kind of different sicknesses. They had leprosy at this time. They had uh, schizophrenia, in my opinion. They had uh, seizures going on, just all kinds of stuff. They were experiencing persecution, and a lot of them were angry and upset because of the climate of the world, and they wanted to retaliate. So they expected this new king to come and to set in order everything that was going wrong in the world. That's what they expected of this Messiah. So when Jesus came and he started healing sick people, and he was hanging out with poor people, 
And the fact that he was born in a barn, if you will, just really flipped the world upside down. But people chose to believe in Jesus because of the miracles he was performing. You see, the miracles were powerful. He was healing the blind, healing the lame, healing the death, death, raising people from the dead. So people said, there's got to be some power in this man, Jesus. But you know what is even more powerful than the miracles Jesus was performing was the words that Jesus was saying. And guess what? We still get to read those words today. And I still think they have the same power today. And that's what makes the Sermon on the Mount so special and so, so important. So let's get to verse number three. And you guys just hang with me and we're going to work our way uh, through this. So if you read through the Sermon on the Mount, there's approximately... Eight blessings, if you will. Eight to ten, depending on how you read, okay? But there's eight blessings, and Jesus pronounces these blessings on these people group that I just described that we're experiencing all kind of difficulties and hardships. So if you follow in your outline, you can fill in some of these principles. Verse number three through five. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, or blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Have you ever taken time to kind of contemplate and to think about what it means to be poor in spirit? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? And have you ever met somebody poor in spirit? Well, Jesus was talking about the people at this time who were living in spiritual poverty. And we all know what it means to be poor. It means that you just don't have much. And there were people during this time period that were just living in spiritual poverty poverty. They were depleted. They, they, they didn't know how to make out and to flesh out life. And that's why I believe today Jesus's words are still relevant. We have people all around us today that are still living in spiritual poverty. They don't know how to process life. They don't know how to process faith. They don't know how to process religion. They don't know what to do with Jesus, and they're living in spiritual poverty, but they want something. They're seeking something, and Jesus says, those living in spiritual poverty will get to inherit or be invited to the kingdom. And it's an exciting thing when you get to be invited to the kingdom of God. All of us were invited, and it has changed our lives drastically, right? And then he goes on to say, blessed are those who mourn. You know, there are three different interpretations on this idea of what it means to mourn here, as I was kind of studying it. One says that people were mourning because of the hardships in life. Another person said that people were mourning because of, of death that they had experienced in their families or with friends. Another interpretation is that people were mourning because they knew that they were living in sin. Whatever the case is, Jesus said, for those who are mourning... Now that I have come, they'll be comforted. And I don't know about you. I don't know if you've experienced loss this year. You lost a loved one or you had some kind of hardship. But there's something about being connected to Jesus that helps us be able to process these things and get through them no matter how difficult they are. And that's why the words of Jesus and the life of Jesus is so, so important. If you're not a Christian, you ought to become one. And then he goes on to say, blessed are the meek. Now, what does that word meek mean, right? Oftentimes when we think of that word meek, I think of weak. That's the first thing that comes to mind because I'm a rapper, right? No, I'm just, but meek, weak, right? But when you, think, <laughs> when you think of meek, 
That word meek is a powerful word because if you're meek, it, I was looking up one commentary and it said basically someone who is meek is like a wild stallion or a horse that has so much power but that decides to submit. And that's what it means to be meek. And Jesus said, blessed are people who submit to God and submit to others. They're going to inherit the earth. And in my opinion, there's a lot of ways to kind of flesh this out, but I think it means that they'll have physical blessings in the flesh, in my opinion. That doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire if you're meek or anything like that, but I think God will look after you in the world. Have you ever had to be meek before? Have you ever had somebody mistreat you or take advantage of you, and all you wanted to do was give them a throat punch, but you didn't, right? Maybe that's just me. I don't, I don't. Anyway, you ever had somebody take advantage of you, and you knew you could take them out, right? But you said, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. God's in control. May his will be done. I'm going to let it go. And God takes care of you every single time, doesn't he? When you're able to live in an attitude of meekness. And that's what God wants from his people. Then we move on to the next passage, Matthew chapter 6, or 5, verses 6 uh, through 8. And it says here, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed or blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy, and blessed are the pure in heart. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. We used to call these people in middle school goody two-shoes, right? Have you ever met somebody that just wants to do the right thing all the time, right? God wants that from his people. He wants people to want to do the right thing all the time. And God it says in this passage, if you want to do the right thing and, and have the right actions, God will help you to be able to do that. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who want to live correct lives. God will help you do that. Blessed are the merciful. And what that passage means there, or that interpretation, is showing kindness to those in need. Blessed are the merciful. Are we a people group that shows kindness to those who are in need? Because if you show kindness to people who are in need, the scripture says you'll receive kindness. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you show kindness to someone else, they'll show kindness to you. And that's a principle Jesus was teaching. And he said, blessed or blessed are the pure in heart. And what does it mean to be pure in heart? Well, it means that you choose to live a clean life, a clean way of life. You keep yourselves from being contaminated by the world. And if you do that, the scripture says one day you'll get to see God. Next passage, and I'm almost done here. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who, per who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and say false things, or falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. What does it mean to be a peacemaker? It means that you don't retaliate in anger when things aren't going your way. And what does it mean to be persecuted? We, we all know that. For those of you who decide to live this Christian life, you will be persecuted. Now, what does persecution look like for us in America? It's probably much different than what it looks like in other parts of the country. Persecution to us may be, uh, you know, someone doesn't like your Christian t-shirt. <laughs> or someone doesn't like that bumper sticker on the back of your car. Or someone talks about your faith tradition or how you do church, so forth and so on. But we all are persecuted. And the Lord says, blessed are those who are persecuted because great is your reward in heaven. So the question I want to I pose to you this morning as we move kind of into some practical thought is, 
We know all these things. We know what, what Jesus was saving, saying. H how can we personally learn to live a blessed life like Jesus was talking about? Right? Because in my opinion, these beatitudes are something that we shouldn't be trying to gain, but something that we already have because our life is hidden in Christ. So that means we should already be peacemakers. That means we should already be meek. That means we should already, right? So forth and so on. So we should already have these characteristics. So now that we have these characteristics, when we know this, how do we continue on living this blessed life that Jesus wants us to live? So if you have your notes, I want you to take down three points this morning. I want you to take down three points. How can we learn to live a blessed life? And this is a message that we can communicate to the entire world, okay? Not just Christian folk, but, but the entire world. How do you have a blessed life? And you already know number one. And I'm, I'm going to preach kind of hard this morning, but bear with me. We already know, number one, in order to live a blessed life, you have to be a child of God. Amen? If you want to have a blessed life here in the flesh, you've got to become a child of God. Now, when you become a child of God, that doesn't mean that all your problems are going to disappear and you'll never have any problems in the world. We know that's not true. But if you want to live, live a blessed life, you've got to be a child of God. And the question is, well, how do you become a child of God? We, we talk about repentance and baptism in the Church of Christ, okay? And many of you grew up good Church of Christ folk, but many of you are not familiar with kind of how we do things. We have this thing in the Church of Christ called the plan of salvation, okay? And I'm going to quiz our church this morning. You guys are going to help me with the plan of salvation, okay? All right, you, can you do that? So the plan of salvation was step number one. Hear the word, right? So what does that mean? That means if you want to have a blessed life, the first thing that you have to do is hear the word of God. And the way that we hear the Word of God today is through opening up the Scripture. God speaks to us through the Bible. And if you want to have a conversation with God, you've got to get into the Word. So you've got to hear the Word. The Scripture says, faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. So you've got to hear the Word. What's step number two if you're good church Christ folk? You know what? What is it? Uh-oh. Believe, right? So you hear about the Lord. Step number two is you believe in him. What does it say in John 3, 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. King James Version, amen, right? You got to believe in Jesus. And the question is, do you believe in him? Do you believe that he came to take away your sins? Do you believe that he came to give you an abundant life? Do you believe that he came to give you the hope of salvation and a future in heaven? What's step number three? Repent. Hear, believe, repent. Repentance is a difficult process because what repentance is, is it's stopping the actions or the wrongdoing that you're doing. Uh, Alayla and Izzy, they, they bother me sometimes. <laughs> That's terrible to say. I love you guys, but they're watching. They bother me sometimes. The reason why they bother me sometimes is because they can be best of friends, right, and play dolly all day. Uh, but then when dad disappears or mom disappears, they're bothering each other. They'll hit each other. They'll slap each other. They'll kick each other. The, the other day they were upstairs playing the, uh, the Nintendo Wii, and they were fussing with each other about the game. Alayla was bothering Izzy. Izzy was bothering Layla. And I said, Alayla, stop bothering your sister. And she said, okay, daddy. And they smiled, and they both kissed each other like nothing was going on, right? I go downstairs, and I hear, leave me alone, right? And I go back up and I say, I, I thought I told you guys to leave each other alone. And they say, you know what, Dad? We're sorry. And I said, turn to each other and say, you're sorry. They said, we're sorry. I go back downstairs. Ah! 
ah, right? I go back up. What's going on, right? You know, that's not repentance. Repentance is stopping what you're doing, right? Not just saying you're sorry, right? Not just saying you're sorry. We had this habit of, in the military, whenever we made a mistake, uh, some of the soldiers would say sorry to the drill sergeant, right? If you drop something or you don't polish your shoes the right way or don't put your weapon together the right way, we'll say sorry, drill sergeant. You know what the drill sergeant say? I know you're sorry, right? I know you're sorry. God doesn't want us to be sorry all the time. He wants us to repent. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Luke 13, 3, unless you repent, you all likewise perish. Hear, believe, repent. What's the next one? Confess. Confession is a powerful tool because when you confess Jesus, Scripture says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. That's why wherever we go, we let people know that we love the Lord. Don't be ashamed about that. Don't be scared about that. Tell people you love the Lord. You're a faithful Christian. You believe in the Bible. You believe what it has to say. You trust in the promises of the Lord. You're not worried about what people think. You are a Christian, and you love Jesus. You let the world know that. And Jesus says, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. Y'all know that, right? Yeah. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Baptism is so, so important. And I want to look very clearly to everyone in here this morning. If you have not been baptized, I want to make this clear, you ought to be baptized. In 2016, you need to be baptized. If you hadn't done it, you need to do it. And I'm talking about a believer's baptism, okay? If you grew up in another faith tradition and you were baptized as an infant or something like that, I'm saying a believer's baptism, right? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If you do, you ought to be baptized in water. And we can do that today. That's why we have this baptistry up here, right? And when you are baptized, the Scripture says your old life is done away with, and when you come out of the water, you're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and God will help you through life. It's powerful. You know, uh, how many, was it four of our young people just went through the process of being baptized? Praise the Lord for that, right? If you hadn't been baptized, you ought to be baptized today, and we'll do it today. And then we also say another step. If you know this one, you're a real good Church of Christ member, right? Here, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. And what's the last one? Remain faithful. Amen, right? To the point of death. Sometimes we drop that off because we think if you're baptized, we're good to go. We checked off the list. We can go on about our business. But the Scripture tells us that we've got to remain faithful. So how can we live a blessed life? Number one, become a child of God. Give your life to the Lord if you hadn't done it. It would be a good idea in 2016 to think through that process. You ought to be baptized. Point number two, how do we live this blessed life? Well, we have to remember the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. You know, just become, because you become a Christian doesn't mean life is going to be easy. Where's Parwin? Isn't that right, Parwin? doesn't mean that life is going to be easy when you become a Christian. As a matter of fact, in a lot of ways, it gets harder. Satan is upset. He's angry with you. He can't stand that you gave your life to the Lord. So he's going to try everything in his power to trip you up and to mess you up in 2016. He's going to throw all kinds of obstacles your way. Someone in your family may get sick. You may lose your job. You may have some trials and tribulations and some tragedy to overcome. But if you're a child of God, you get to remember the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. As citizens of the kingdom, we have the, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. That means God is living in us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit 
if you're a Christian. It means you get to pray. And when you pray, God hears your prayers. And he also answers them. Sometimes he says no. But that's okay. He still answers them. When you become a Christian, you have the church, this family here, to help you through whatever you're going through. When you become a Christian, you have salvation. That means at the end, you get to go to heaven. And then when you go to heaven, guess what you get to experience? A, a wonderful family reunion. Get to see all your brothers and sisters in Christ. Get to see your family. It's a wonderful thing. But sometimes when life throws curveballs at us and we have difficult times, we forget the promises of God. We forget the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. So if you want to be a blessed Christian, if you want to live a blessed life in 2016, you've got to remember the blessings that you have in Christ. And then lastly, make sure you repent early and repent often. Amen. <laughs> Is it just me or am I preaching this morning? Because if, at times you're going to slip up. You're going to make mistakes. And that's why in the Lord's Prayer, you know what Jesus says? Whenever you pray, ask the Lord to forgive your trespasses, right? And we should be praying that prayer every single day. Lord, forgive me of the mistakes that I've made in my life. Because guess what? Some of you guys, some of us, all of us, we're going to sin right when we leave this building. We are, whether you know it or not. And sometimes the sins that we commit that are the worst ones are the sins that we don't even know we're doing. You see, we all know if we have a problem with gossip, or we get angry, but there are some blind spots in our lives that we really need to work on. And we've got to pray that God forgives us and ask for repentance or, and repent. Lastly, as I close this morning, I want to leave you with this, this, this passage in John chapter 10 and verse number 10. Scripture says here, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's the very reason that Jesus came so that you, so that I, so that we can have life and experience life to the fullest. God wants to give us a blessed life, church. That's what he wants. To give us a blessed life so that we can live it to the fullest. So if you look on your sermon outline, I gave you a, a closing question. A closing question, if you look on your outline. And the closing question is this. What's your personal mission statement for 2016? And I want, you to, I want you to think through that, and I want you to write it down on your outline. You don't have to share it with anybody, but if you want to share, that's wonderful. Write down your personal mission statement for 2016. What are you looking to accomplish in 2016? Maybe write down one or two things. Keep that in your Bible. Keep that with you. That's something that I want, to, I want you to carry with you throughout the year, your personal mission statement. And I think if you have a personal mission statement, statement it'll help you stay focused during this year. So I'm going to be transparent and I'm going to share mine, right? I have two. I really have about five, but I'm going to give you two because it's none of your business, the rest of them. Okay, but anyway. One is in 2016, I want to learn to be more empathetic. I want to learn to be more empathetic. You see, I grew up with all boys. My dad's an airborne army infantry ranger, played football at the University of California, Berkeley. I followed suit. I joined the army, became an infantry soldier, football player. I'm a man's man, even though I wear pink sometimes. I'm still a man's man, right? Salmon, okay? Man's man. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm not as empathetic as I should be, and I think that's why God gave me two girls, amen. Just the other day, Alayla came home from school. She said, Daddy, I have a cut on my finger. 
And I looked at it, I said, ah, you'd be okay, right? You know what Izzy did? She said, Dad, that's the wrong answer. She said, Dad, you should have asked if Alayla was okay and you should have kissed the boo-boo. I said, you learn a lot from your kids, don't you? (laughs) But I want to learn to be more empathetic. Look through lenses of compassion at people in 2016. Another personal mission statement of mine in 2016 is I want to serve more. I want to be involved in serving others more. Giving my life in service to other people. One of the things that I'm doing this year to serve is like I did last year, I'm coaching girls basketball. Pray for me. Amen. And it's middle school girls and, and, and girls up to the age of 14. So really pray for me. My hair is already gone, right? I hadn't even started the season. But pray for me. I want to serve. I want to serve the community. I want to serve others. I want to teach people the truth of the gospel through how I live my life. So I'm coaching basketball this year. And, 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 and I'm telling these, these young girls, y'all, y'all come to church. Let me show you some Christian principles. Let me show you how to, how to lead, how to serve, how to love, all while we smash the opponent. No, I'm just kidding. But So I'm going to make this announcement as, as I step down. If you want to serve, I, I need an assistant basketball coach. Amen. So if you want to help this year, me, please see me after the service today. I can sure use an assistant coach as we coach two teams this year. Amen. So I'm going to close with that. Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes, I hope and pray that these principles will bless your life as we think through uh, this material, the Sermon on the Mount in 2016. So by way of invitation, remember what I told you, if you want to have a blessed life, give your life to the Lord. If you're not a Christian this morning, you have the opportunity to do that. Uh, Brother Ed Bush will lead us in a closing song this morning. We call this song the Song of Invitation. And what we're doing during this closing song is we're inviting you to come forward and you can put the Lord on in baptism, or you can come forward and say, you know what, I, I've been living a life contrary to the will of God. The church will pray with you, will pray for you, that God might build you up and equip you for works of service. So if you're not a Christian, we invite you to do that. If you are a Christian and you just want to be a better person, a better man, a better woman, a better child of God in 2016, you have this opportunity to come forward today, and we'll pray with you as well. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing?